It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. Find us on iTunes, find us on Spotify, on Google Play. You can like us on Facebook And if you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775. It is Friday. The injury reports are out, and that's where we're going to start today. Aaron Rodgers listed officially as questionable, but expected to play on Sunday. He's going to practice on Saturday. Remember, Friday is a training day for Green Bay. They do their rehab. They do some classroom work, but not a, a full practice day. Saturday is a practice day, and there should be no concerns about set. I mean, barring a setback, Rodgers is going to play. There should always be concerns about setbacks when you're dealing with a player who has an injury, and especially an injury that is as limiting as the one Rodgers has. But I think at this point, that's something we need to treat as he's going to be a go because you can't predict setbacks. Kevin King also listed as out. So he's dealing with that groin injury. As I wrote for Acme Packing Company earlier in the week, I think the move here is you put Devon House in his spot on the boundary. Jair Alexander continues to play in the slot where he's going to see Jamison Crowder a lot. Crowder is Washington's best true receiver. And Josh Jackson will see a lot of time on Jordan Reed. I think that's the that's the set of matchups that they're going to like the most. Oren Burks, who practiced all week, is listed as questionable, but Mike McCarthy said earlier in the week he he's expects Burks to play, though he doesn't expect Burks to get a ton of snaps on defense, expects him to be a special teams only player. I don't know that I necessarily fully believe him on that, um, because if Antonio Morrison or you know some of these guys struggle, I think it's going to be hard to say, well, we can't put him out there. If he's good enough to play, he should play. And if he is healthy enough to play, Frankly, I think he should be starting, but I understand he's a rookie. They don't want to just throw him out there. I don't know why putting him out there on special teams is getting him any more ready to play than than just putting him out there on defense. My assumption will be he's going to be someone that they do play some limited snaps early on, see how he does, and then progress from there. Josh Jones practiced in a limited fashion over the course of the week, which is better than last week when he just wasn't practicing. He said last Sunday he expects to play this week, but Green Bay's trainers may have a different idea. And we're going to see a lot of Jermaine Whitehead as the as the safety in this game. He's going to get a lot of time on Chris Thompson, a lot like what we saw against Chicago. Uh, but here is here is an important addition to this discussion about the secondary because Jay Gruden said Paul Richardson, who's dealing with an injury, is also questionable. And even if he can go, it looks like he's going to be less than 100%. Well, Paul Richardson is Washington's best deep threat. 
And if they can't take the top off the defense, and Alex Smith, we already know, throws among the shortest passes of any quarterback in the league, this season at least, then it's hard when the field compresses to find windows, especially if Green Bay is going to play with a bunch of defensive backs, as we expect them to. Dovetailing with that is Sean Laval, who was bad last week against Indianapolis, is now hurt. And they have to side, they're going to slide their center to left guard and then play the backup center, Tony Bergstrom. This is an ideal situation for Green Bay because when you're going to play a light defensive personnel grouping like Green Bay, I expect them to, then you need to stop the run with five or six in the box with your defensive lineman and a linebacker and a safety maybe. Well, when you have interior offensive linemen who already aren't great, and now you're going to play backups and guys out of position, this should be a week where Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark absolutely dominate. And they did last week. I mean, they shut down Dalvin Cook in that run game. Now, they played a little bit bigger. Antonio Morrison saw more snaps in that in that uh, game, and, and they, they played a little bit more traditionally. I, I don't expect them to do that this week. But if they, can, if they can stop this run game with Adrian Peterson, with just five traditional box players, that goes a long way to, to making your defensive strategy of playing with these defensive backs much more effective because then it, that, it's not killing you. Now, the, the difference here, and what's interesting, is Alex Smith already doesn't throw the ball that far down the field. So if you're going to make him check down, check down, check down, Chris Thompson caught a lot of check downs. He broke a couple too, but a lot of just like minus one, three, two, four yard plays. Then you have all this speed on the field to rally to the football. It makes it much harder for Chris Thompson to get loose if you have these extra defenders. And one of the things that Mike Patton did against Chicago was he manned up on the outside. Even when, even when let's say, the Bears weren't going into some spread personnel or spread packages, he would play with a defensive back playing as sort of an underneath zone player. Sometimes two playing in a, in a sort of underneath zone. Well, Chris Thompson isn't nearly as effective in the open field if there's not that much open field. And when he is in the open field, if you have defensive players with speed who can track him down. And it's it's what makes whether or not Josh Jones and Oren Burks play particularly important in this game because if they throw the ball to Thompson against a more base personnel, if let's say Antonio Morrison is on the field, that is not as efficient for Green Bay, not as potentially effective as if they had Burks or Jones on the field in, a, in playing a similar role in the box. So I, ex- I expect Green Bay to play a lot with this light personnel, but they're only going to have four corners active. They're going to play all of them. They're going to play all their safeties. They're going to they're exhaust their resources here. And Mike Patton may have to end up using Whitehead as a slot corner at times. Uh, and, and and they're comfortable doing that because he's comfortable doing that. So the injuries, I think, from the Packers' perspective, they're in a good position because they're getting healthier. Not having Kevin King, this is the week to not have Kevin King. If it is a two-week injury, they've got Buffalo next week. And then you add in the fact that Paul Richardson, the best deep threat and someone you would worry um, a little bit against Devon House or Tremont Williams even, 
um, he is not 100% either. So this is the week to have an injury to your starting corner, and it's also a week to, to have this package ready to go that Green Bay knows it can go to and knows can be effective with all of these defensive backs. The line on this game has moved to two and a half, and while I think the Packers are going to win, there's a lot of data that suggests this game is closer than the, the Vegas odds makers have it. And so if you want to take advantage of that discrepancy, you should lay some money on the game. And you should do it at mybookie.ag. Remember, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, which is why I always tell you to bet at mybookie.ag. They've been in business for years. They have great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use. It looks great. They have live in-game betting. The over-unders on Fantasy Points, my favorite innovation in online gambling in a long time, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Right now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. And if you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 in free play on any deposit over $100. That's $25 free dollars in, in addition to that deposit Bonus. Just go to mybookie.ag and use the promo code locked on25 to get that $25 extra bonus. But remember, you have to wait until after 7 p.m. Don't want the free money? Go right now. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Now, this was a question. Hello, Peter. What's happening? I wanted to get to earlier in the week, but didn't have the opportunity because there was just too much other stuff to talk about. And so it's just, it's cleaning up a little bit the ramifications of what happened with Minnesota. Uh, we, we had to turn around so quickly and get set for Washington that we didn't get a chance to, to get to all of it. And that's what these Friday shows are about. We're going to talk injuries and then get to some of your questions. So let, let's get to this one. Hey, this is Sarah from Bloomington, Minnesota. Huge fan of the show. I found it while looking in the offseason for a good NFL or Packers podcast, and I absolutely love it. Recommended it to lots of Packer fans, friends, and family. 
Um, you had mentioned a while ago while predicting the Packers' record for this year that with their schedule, they'd really need to kick off the season 2-0 and with two divisional home games right away to give themselves the best chance at a playoff first. Uh, with the way last year's top tier of NFC teams is looking so far, which other than the Rams seems to be good but not great, what implications do you feel the tie against Minnesota has on that long term, especially considering Rogers' health going into the rest of the season? Thanks. That's a good memory by Sarah. I, I said that the the week two game was basically the season because you can't expect the Packers to go on the road in Minnesota and win that game. So they have to take care of business at home. So what does this do for the Packers long term? Well, as I mentioned, there is an inefficiency in the schedule for the Vikings relative to the Packers. And that is when you look at common opponents, they have a very similar schedule. Both teams have to go to Los Angeles I believe they both have to go to New England, but the key difference is Green Bay gets a third-place schedule. Minnesota gets a first-place schedule. So their extra two games outside of the divisions, they get the Eagles and the Saints, and they have to go to Philadelphia with Carson Wentz, and, and Green Bay gets Washington, that's this game, and Atlanta, and they get Atlanta at home in December. If Green Bay goes 2-0 and in those games, it's unlikely Minnesota is also going to go 2-0. and so what that does is is it it gives a a game cushion potentially to the the final record because what happens now is the November 25th game in Minnesota becomes like a sweep game. It's like both teams won the first meeting and the winner of the second meeting gets the tiebreaker edge because they'll the, each team will ha- the, the the losing team will have gone 0 1 and 1 against their opponent. So that's like a sweep. So head-to-head, that would have serious implications for tiebreakers and playoffs and all of those things. Green Bay would need a full game cushion for that not to matter. So let's say the Packers go 11-4-1 and the Vikings go 10-5-1. Even if the Packers lose in Minnesota, that game cushion could be the difference. So you, do you see what I'm saying here? So if they win, if they go 2-0, and and let's say the Vikings go 1-1, one and one, that's an extra game cushion. So even if Green Bay loses in Minnesota, that one game could be the difference in not having to utilize that tiebreaker if you're the Vikings. We don't know what the situation is going to be at the end of the year, and, and you just make it easy by going into Minnesota and winning. But there are long-term implications for this game. Luckily for the Packers, as I said, they have these two extra, the, the, these non-division games in the NFC are, are favorable to them. And Minnesota has to go to LA on a short week, central time to West Coast on a Thursday and play on the Rams on the road. Green Bay gets to go to LA coming off a bye. They have a much more advantageous set up to their schedule than Minnesota. They still have to win their games. They're still going to have to win. I mean, you're going to have to win 10, 11 games to get into the playoffs in the NFC. But the conference, I think, is not as deep as we thought it was, or at least not as not as good at the top as we thought it was. The Rams are clearly the best team right now. Green Bay, regardless of what Michelle Bruton said, is right there with Minnesota at the top of the conference with teams like Atlanta 
I think those are the four best teams in the conference right now with Philly. And New Orleans probably has some catch-up to do. I don't think anyone really trusts Tampa over the course of the season, but they're in a good position now to make the playoffs, so we'll see. But all of this, just a week two game. I mean, there's a reason I said the week two matchup was critical. It has repercussions throughout the season, and Green Bay is going to have to make up for it elsewhere if they don't win their November 25th matchup in Minnesota. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, but I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to another question. Hello, Peter. What's happening? I got this text from Tom in California, and, and it's I think it's particularly interesting given what we saw last week with the Packers and, and what happened with the roughing the passer penalty, but also as Washington comes in with two really good edge rushers. Uh, He says, hello, Peter, this is Tom from California. My question is, given the new rules on protecting the quarterback, could we see the day where an edge rusher is no longer as valuable? If they can't be effective, perhaps we need to look at better linebackers or cornerbacks. Your thoughts? This is an interesting question from Tom because there actually has already been a little bit of an evolution with NFL offenses and NFL defenses. So the quick passing game spread everyone out and get the ball out quick, has already mitigated some of the effect that these elite edge rushers can have on the game because quarterbacks aren't dropping back three, five, seven steps. And it is actually interior rushers that have become more disruptive, the Aaron Donalds of the world, because not only can they get into the quarterback's field of vision in a hurry, it's harder to make throws to the middle of the field. It's harder to hit those those slants, those digs when the pressure is from the center. If the pressure is coming off the corner, you can still step up in the pocket and make a throw. Pressure in a quarterback's face on even quick hitting routes is a bigger problem than pressure off the edge. It's just further to go, and it's not as much right in the throwing lanes. And so, again, someone like Aaron Donald, much more important. Green Bay already has a defense set up to do this with Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, and Muhammad Wilkerson. I think, to to Tom's point, though, better linebackers and better cornerbacks, well, that was what this offseason was about. In the modern NFL, you have to have more corners than Green Bay had last year. And Zach Cruz pointed out on Twitter that the last time Green Bay played Washington, which was two years ago in 2016, the corners on that team, Ladarius Gunter cut, Quentin Rollins cut, Micah Hyde is gone but is now plays safety, and Dimitri Goodson cut. That was also a different quarterback for Washington. Alex Smith, not Kirk Cousins. So you look at what this what this defensive backfield looks like now. 
and you've got Tremont Williams, you've got Kevin King, though he's not playing this week. Obviously, he's hurt. But then you have Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson. It's a much better group of corners. That is why Brian Gutekunst went out and added so much corner talent. It's why the Rams, frankly, went out and added so much defensive back talent because this is the most critical position on your defense now. I think we're getting to the point where top flight corner talent is more important than top flight edge rusher talent, specifically for the reasons that Tom has laid out here, because the quick passing game makes it so. Um, Now the rules, I don't know that the rules are a big reason for this. Yes, it's harder to hit the quarterback in a legal way now. I don't think that makes a huge difference from a pass rush standpoint. Um, I, you know, I, it it certainly moves the needle. I mean, the, the Packers didn't win a game they should have won because a, a pass rusher was flagged for a legal tackle. And Mike Daniels didn't finish a sack because he was worried about a fine or a penalty. It matters, and it, and it does affect your defensive players for sure, and it does make your corners more important. I guess my more general point is there is a confluence of factors that make that true. There is a number of things that have sort of come together to elevate the importance of not just cornerbacks, but cornerback depth and have mitigated the impact of pass rushers. And that's sort of the way the the NFL wants it, but it also has a trickle-down effect to college. College is already seeing this. Colleges have for years been dealing with these spread offense, the RPOs. The NFL is just now catching up. And so they've created a lot more of these corners. And they've created a lot more move linebackers, you, you star, whatever. I mean, there are, there are a number of, of names for these kinds of players now. But they're the guys that, that the colleges are producing that the NFL just needs to find a way to use. There are more quality corners, I think, in the league than there used to be. But there's also more quality quarterbacks, more quality offensive coaches. So Green Bay is is trying to stay ahead of the curve on this. If they can go into a season with Kevin King, Josh Jackson, and Jair Alexander as their top three corners. Jair Alexander, by the way, the top-graded rookie corner, according to Pro Football Focus, and Josh Jackson in the top five. Um, they are trending in the right direction. And that was what Mike McCarthy said in his press conference, trending in the right direction. That means they're getting better. Jair Alexander was awesome against Minnesota, and and he really deserved to have that game winner. He is ready to break out. Maybe this is the week. Maybe this is the week for Jair because he's right there. He's right on the cusp. All right, it's prediction time. I, I do think the Packers win this game. I think it's uh, they're going to score in the mid to upper 20s. 27, 28, I could see them getting to 30 simply because I think the matchup with this defense fits them. They struggled with crossing routes. I think the middle of the field is going to be open. Jimmy Graham is going to have a nice day given what we saw from the the Indianapolis tight ends and how much damage they were able to do in week two against Washington. I think Graham gets that touchdown. I think he has a big day, and I think Green Bay wins by 10. I think it's a two-score game. I just I, I don't see enough from this Washington team to be scared about from a Packers perspective. I don't see them doing enough well right now. I think the interior is good. I think Green Bay might struggle to run the ball a little bit, but that means putting it on Aaron Rodgers, and that's exactly the position that they want to be in moving forward. 
All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. As always, hit me up with your questions, your comments, your feedback, whatever it is. Do the same at Locked on Packers. Remember, all of these shows are posted at LockedOnPackers.com. So if you ever miss one, just go there. They're also all posted on Facebook. Go to iTunes. Check us out. Give us a review. Leave us a rating. Five stars would be preferable. It helps spread the word about Locked on Packers as we continue to grow every week. Every week, I check the numbers and see a positive percentage next to our listenership, which is awesome. It's a testament to you and... And as some of you have, have called and, and texted and let me know, a testament to Aaron Rodgers because he's really good and Packers fans run deep. They do. They run deep. And if you want to hit me up at the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775 and let me know that you are staying Locked On Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.